You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Hello, Andre. Did we have to start with Chardonnay so early in the season? This was your idea. But not Ontario. This was your idea. I'm not no. letting you throw me under the bus when it was your idea. No, I said, have you tried this? And then you said, hey, should we do a podcast of it? And I said, if I have to. Okay, we'll let people believe that that's how it happened. But, uh, okay, that is kind of how it happened. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm always I'm always excited when we get a press package from Flat Rock. I, I, I know we, we give Flat Rock a lot of coverage on the, on the podcast, but I think it's, it's just because... I think a lot of people by now know our sensibilities. I don't mind spending the money on a bottle of wine. You don't like spending a lot of money on wine. And I think the reason why Flat Rock gets a lot of coverage is because they check a lot of boxes about what you and I both love about wine. Good value without being too expensive, always interesting. Yeah. And I really think that in terms of that ultra premium level, they are the uh, the flagship. They're the baseline. I, I would also say, and I'm going to go on a limb here because I really haven't checked my stuff, but I mean... I would say that their 2020 Chardonnay, just the base model, $20 bottle, would have been my Chardonnay of the year last year. I still think it was the Rusty Shed for me. Like I just loved the over-the-topness of it. Yeah. I have a few bottles downstairs. I'm not going to age it as long as I had initially thought from what I learned last year with just the experiments of um, aging Chardonnay, but I think it's going to hold on for probably two years at its peak drinking window. It's... Uh, but. For the uh, as I'm saying, the twenty dollar window for Chardonnay is it, that twenty oh, twenty is it's unparalleled, unbelievably good, and that's that's really you know. And I, I've said I've said to Ed, I've said to you, I've said to anybody who'll listen to me mm. that that base model, let's call it the base or the entry level, yeah, they just call the entry level in a hot vintage is better than the rusty shed. Whereas in a cool vintage, the rusty shed blows the um, uh, blows the uh, entry level out of the water. Okay, you know what? I didn't open the bottle of twenty twenty one on the table because I wanted to see how things were going to go with the rest of this conversation. I don't have the press material in front of me deliberately because I don't want to get into the nuance of what it is we're about to taste. This is going to be strictly on taste, taste alone. Test, on taste alone, and um, this is one where. I try to keep that division of church and state between being Andre the podcaster and Andre the ADX wine company owner. But I would like to talk about Michael. Do you find yeast interesting? Uh, I like bread, but yeast. Come on, let's talk about what. Let's let's say if someone said to you, "Hey, Michael, tell me about yeast." What would you say? I would say, "Hey, I know somebody who knows a lot about yeast," and I would refer to your wife. Good call. And uh, it is not a crass joke, even though on the surface it might seem like he's making a crass joke. My wife is a pastry chef. Correct. So I would I would defer to her. I'd go, hey, Anya, tell me about yeast and why I should be excited by it. You know, I've joked for years, and I, I think you've been in the room where I've made this joke, like when I had the radio segment, and I've never done a radio segment on yeast. We've never done a podcast on yeast alone. Just because it's such a nerdy part of winemaking, it is, and and I and I understand it, and I get it, and I can talk a little bit about it. I'm I'm not 
well versed in my 3M catalog. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what Flat Rock has done here, and, and, and we are on three different Flat Rock wines, and it's going to depend whether Andre wants to open the 2021. Oh, um, no, we decided. You decided. We want to, we want to see where it stands. The um, They've done a, what they call a yeast... Uh, yeast trials. Yeast trials, that's what it is. And so... Innovation and experience. So it's their monolith series, the rebrand. Um, it's project number 12, fermentation trials. Um, what, the, what they've done here is it's, it's 2021. So let's be honest, and I know we're not supposed to say good or bad year. No, it was a bad year. The 2021 year was, it was a, bad year. a disaster for Ontario. Like the whole rain through the entire harvest, it didn't matter how hot and dry the summer was. Your grapes got hit by rain, and this is a vintage that sets apart. The Correct. great winemakers from now, the good winemakers. Now, if you've listened to last week's podcast, or I guess two weeks ago, um, the Italians have a word for it, and I'll give it to Andre now. Difficult. Oh, and Canadians say that too. Like okay. I, I, so, I remember, like when I so when or, I, I or challenging. Yeah, challenging. Yeah, the, di- uh, the diplomacy. Or uh, if they pause a lot and they go, it was good. <laughs> um, that is also it means it was not a good. Um, oh, you mean you mean you only have two barrels of your premium wine, but you have a hundred barrels of your entry level. But last year you made thirty barrels of the premium correct. wine and had seventy barrels yeah. of the entry level. So what's the difference in the two vintages? Yeah, so you've got a you've got a. It was interesting, like when I went to uh, Gaia and talked about Barbaresco with her. Um, Gaia, for those who, who know of, of the company and know of their wines, they're Barbaresco. Uh, they have a lot of single vineyard Barbarescos. And an 18 was such a bad vintage, they only made the one. one. single vineyard, okay. You know, not even a single vineyard. It's just the big bar. And I was like, this is delicious. And she goes, that's because everything's in it. All those single vineyards were in that one wine. Uh, yeah, okay. You know what? That is one of the secrets that I think a lot of people don't really think of, really think about so like in a vintage like 2019 and 2021 trius red is going to be a really good buy because it's unlikely that craig made a grand red in Correct. those vintages so all of those and the grand. best barrels get set aside or you know individual cuvées like there's components of like the red shale and uh I think, the east block that I, end up i, I in, think that was something i learned like 10 12 years ago when i was sitting in a in a portuguese seminar and the the winemaker said we usually make you know four or five different single vineyards out of our out of our wines, but this year was so bad that we just put all of those single vineyards into this one wine, and it was a spectacular wine, and it was like fifteen dollars or less. I remember buying six or seven bottles of it, and it aged really well, but it was a bad vintage, and they couldn't make their single vineyard, and that's when you really learn when you finally figure out that. A bad vintage becomes a good entry level vintage, and that's very important for for people to understand. Is and also, that, yes, a bad vintage is a bad vintage, but it's a bad vintage for single vineyard. It's not a bad vintage for entry level because everything gets okay. But that being down. said, that being said, coming back to Ontario in twenty twenty one, it was a challenging vintage across the board. It was tough to get fruit it out of the vineyards. Yeah, maybe. But the, <laughs> the but the cool thing about twenty twenty one. Is like we're focusing on Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and this is one where, like I said, I'm going to talk a bit more about my business and what I'm doing. I had a chance to meet um, Allison Findlay, uh, who was the winemaker at Flat Rock, 
in January of 2022, uh, right after the ferments had finished. And, you know, it's one of these things where I'm still like, I'm still learning. Like Adam Kern is making our wine. I make the important decisions uh, happen by his hands. Like I'm not responsible for any of the winemaking decisions for the ADX wine company. Um, But when I went down in January and the ferments had finished, I just had this sense of relief. I had a sense of relief because the wines were tasting really good after the ferments were done. And when I met Ali at Flat Rock, I didn't prompt her for this because like, I just finished mine. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go drop it on, on Allison. I haven't been to Flat Rock in a while. And we went down and we barrel tasted a few a few things, a few 2021s. And she was just like, when this ferment was done, I felt relieved. And I just, I think there's, I, I don't think any winemaker would say that. They'd probably be more, it's good then talk about the sense of relief they felt chardonnay is critically important to ontario because in a hard vintage like 2021 it is still going to make outstanding wine correct and i think if you would talk to ed he would say he was thankful that he only did pinot and chardonnay so that they got picked earlier before the real rains just really said 100 percent. so we are looking at again these these um these ferment projects. So one is called VL2. The other one is called Delta. So those are, okay. You made a 3M joke earlier. For those of you who don't work in the wine industry, you buy yeast to ferment grapes the same way you would buy yeast from a grocery store. The only difference is you have a catalog with different choices. Like you can, there is literally a catalog of different types of yeast Correct. That you can buy, and it'll augment this. It'll augment that. It'll you know, and 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 it's but good this, for Chardonnay. But, it's good for Sauvignon exactly. Blanc. You know. But there are other factors at play. It's not just the yeast you use. It's also being mindful of the temperature, because you could dump a really good yeast for Chardonnay into a batch of Chardonnay, and if you don't watch your temperature and it ferments too fast, you will not get the desired results. So there's a lot of factors that go into choosing what yeast you use to make a wine. So the VL2 and the Delta is the name of the specific yeast strains that they've chosen to ferment these with. So um, now we've tried the two. Yeah. Uh, I have, I, I'm, I'm still of the same opinion. Do you want to open the regular one? Because I understand that one of these yeasts is more prominent within the other. And I have read well, about we'll, it. We'll talk, we'll talk about the two. Um, one is definitely better than the other unequivocally better than the other one because the first one okay the first one we tasted was vl2 do you want yes. to go first with your tasting notes or do you want me to go first with the tasting note i i because again i've tried this before and i knew what i liked and i had done um uh, i had done like a uh, i had opened uh all three of them uh one evening just yep. to try them yeah uh and then i literally after after tasting all three of them i sent you this long diatribe about why blah 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 blah, blah, blah yeah blah. You, you, as you often do when you drink three bottles of wine in a night you Correct. send yes. me a manifesto so, yeah and then you went i don't know i haven't tasted them yep. so you you know, totally you know it's like here's the balloon i'm blowing it up really really big and you went pop the balloon and i'm like well now i have nothing to to bitch well, about yeah, cause because there's no no we we okay so let's have a discussion, have a discussion. okay so the vl2 that's the one I like. It's beautiful. It's That's, it's it's round. Um, the mineral just screams down the center palate, but it's it's supported. It's like by fruit. There's it, fruit on the palate. It really feels like this. It feels like you've got these. Let me build a mental picture. Like picture these anthra 
Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. Okay, but pieces of chalk with paddles, like paddling a canoe. We've got little pieces of chalk that are like paddling canoes up your paddle. Up the river? Yep. But the canoe is made out of like peaches and oranges and like just everything you want. Yeah, there's, a, like. there's a lot going on in this wine. There's, but it's support. But it's, it's the but fruit it's, supporting the the, the but, mineral. But it's but it's a fun wine. Oh, it's delicious. So uh, that one I, I I enjoyed. The Delta. The Delta to is me is that bitter, funky, bitter. I don't know if there's anything unenjoyable. Uh, it seems. Oh, to now be, I remember your diatribe. Correct. It's. I asked you where did when did we all start getting into that funky Chardonnay and and you know. Uh, and I was I was actually surprised by that because Flat Rock are not known for funky Chardonnay. And you know what? I'm going to disagree with you that Delta is funky. It's not funky. It's clean, but there is like it is bitter on the finish. It is very bitter on the finish. To me, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm sure people are going to get really angry when I say this. It's a Peter Gamble kind of Chardonnay. Peter Gamble, when he starts to uh, consult with with certain wineries, he likes a certain kind of Chardonnay, and he gives them the, you know, let's do this. And to me, they're always just that funky kind of, just a little bit dirty, just a little bit on the on the on the outskirts of of clean. And Delta is just on the edge. And I am not, you know... I'm still not sure I'm agreeing with you on that. Which bottle of wine would you drink happily? Yep, okay. But that's not the debate. And which one would you go, this can go away? Okay, but that's not the debate that we're having. That's what funky to me is. Okay, okay, but but let me... Do I really want to drink that? Let me finish. So my tasting note on the, the Delta is you've got those... Anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic uh, pieces of chalk on your palate, but there's no canoe. It's just like it is so mineral driven. Actually, you know what? Those anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic. This is kind of fun, just to let. Yeah, him, I know because like just like, to let him fight with this. But but okay, ah, uh, that's perfect. It's a great segue. It's like those pieces of chalk are wearing boxing gloves, and the fruit is there, and they forgot their boxing gloves at home, and it's just. And, the on, crap and Andre's out of the tongue is reversed. It's like flipped over, and that's it. And it's just like it's not. It's it's not super delicious. It's not one that I don't. I think that time was, would be kind. To. It was the first one I dumped down the sink that night. I dumped it. I was like, I cannot drink this. Okay. So that being said, we've now opened the 2021. Um, now, my understanding from my reading of the material from Flat Rock at the time... I didn't read it. VL2 is a big component of what they usually use. See, I'm getting a bit of a reductive note on the 2021. Like, it's really a tiny bit like the eggy, the farty. See, I would call this more funky than the actual Delta. Um, oh no, this is this is this is a, a, this is a wine you can easily drink. It's, um, I like the VL two, but I remember that evening I I I just went back to the twenty one, and I and I'll be honest with you, I am a fan of the twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty uh, is awesome, and, and it's hard to to me remembering what the twenty twenty is like to drink the twenty twenty one and go, yeah, that's okay. Um, it's a step back for me, but I also know vintage variation. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, that whole thing comes into it. So if you're expecting a 2020, 
you're not going to get it. No, you're not. But, but I mean, that's the but it's a, it's a it's a it's a nice wine to to sip on, uh, and the VL two is is you know uh, you know the ugly stepchild. It's good, you know. You'd have it at the table, but the Delta is the one you leave upstairs. That's the kid you don't bring downstairs when you have company. I'm really digging the VL two. The 2021 is good, but I think it's too soon. I think I think I think it's 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 actually my favorite thing about how Flat Rock structures their portfolio because there's some vintages where you know, like in 2020, where it's just like, oh, you you could probably charge more for this Chardonnay. It's just it's smart business on Flat Rock's part that they keep the price where it is because in 2021, this is a twenty dollar bottle of Chardonnay. If I spent thirty dollars on the 2021 Chardonnay. I would probably be disappointed. This this makes me wonder if Flat Rock now starts changing the way they do business. What and do you I'll, mean? And I'll and I'll go with this. So in in I believe it was 2012 um, was a great vintage in Ontario, and Brian Schmidt came out with his uh, you know regular Cabernet Franc at, at that time 1295, and it flew off the shelf because of course it was great now what he has to do is he's got to come out with the 2013 which is it's an okay vintage it's pretty average vintage it's not a 2012 and he has to bring it out sooner because the 2012 flew off the shelf flies off the shelf he doesn't want to bring it out but because of what the lcbo and how the lcbo operates he's got to get you know, that wine into the channel before he loses that listing. That yeah. Listing. And then he brings out the 13 too soon. And now it doesn't taste the same as the 12. And so he starts thinking to himself, how do I make it so that I can get more consistency into the vintage uh, or into the wine so that it's not such a, it's, a, it's not so diametrically opposite um, and so he starts looking into chips instead of barrels. You know, he starts looking into various things so that he can make the wines quicker and get them out to the LCBO just in case he comes up with a, you know, a 16, which is great, a 20, which is great. And you know, the 21 is not going to be as good. You just know it, but he wants to try and, 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 and make it so that the wines are going to be more similar than so, so, Okay, so don't bore us. Cut to the chorus. What did Brian do? What he did was he went to chips. He went to he went to chips. He made the wines quicker. He stopped using barrels. So I didn't my, know that. So my 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 thought here is: Does Flat Rock start to go? You know what? Twenty twenty was great. Twenty twenty one, not so great. Plus, we had to rush it to market to keep our channel. Um, so do we now start thinking of a different way to make a Chardonnay more consistent in that entry level? I don't know if Ed does it. I, I think would, Ed listen, would listen, not want to do it, that's it. but having, this is rushed to market. Having spent time with the winemaking team at Flat Rock many times over the last little while and knowing Ed, and they are not sponsoring the podcast, so I am not no, defending Ed no. for any reason other than just being very intimate with the winemaking there. With Chardonnay. I don't, I don't see Ed being the guy that's going to cut corners. I, but but that's but that, but I think I think he's mitigating that vintage variation with the pricing. This is not 
like it's still twenty bucks, and that's it. And it's but it's worth but twenty what bucks. I, but what I'm what I'm saying is, it's he, worth twenty bucks. The twenty twenty they sold out of like that. Okay, but that's but the thing, now though, is, but they that's, have but, to but rush Michael, this to market. No, I don't think they have to rush this to market. They, I don't think they, they did corner. rush it to market. They didn't because rush they to market. Had, it always comes out at this time of year. It was out earlier. Okay, because they had to rush it. But it's also twenty twenty one. You didn't need as much oak on it. Anyways, because of what the vintage gave you, like the wines tasted good. It's also I don't know. If we, talk, if we talk to Ed, I would bet you he had to rush this probably a, at least a couple of months earlier than he wanted to because they sold out of twenty twenty two soon, which is the same problem that Brian Schmidt had in twenty twelve. Okay, but I think and then but I think, you got to start rethinking your business model if I if don't you want to keep that LCBO. I don't agree with you on the fact though that I think that Ed has already mitigated that problem. With the fact that the pricing is reasonable, I don't think you can mitigate the problem of rushing a wine to market. Yes, you can by it, by by underpricing it in a good vintage. Ed could have raised the price in 2020, but chose not to. So that here we are in 2021 with a wine that you're claiming is rushed I, to market. I would it's like still to worth see, 20 bucks. See, you're from what I understand of yeah. your business model. Yeah, of the ADX Wine Company. Yeah, I, I can afford to hold on to a wine. Is, I, I don't have an LCBO you're, listing. You're, you don't have an LCBO listing, so you are never going to know. The uh, the stress, well the pressure of having to correct the, the stress the pressure of rushing a wine to market when you think man if we put it in if we leave it this in oak for two more months I think this is going to be stellar all right but the me, LCBO says to you if you don't have it in our warehouse in three weeks you're going to lose the listing you're going to have to reapply for it all over again and the and then you as a businessman have to start and a as a business person, sorry, I know we're not. But yeah, I, I got you. But you, as a business person, have to either figure out: do I lose that listing, or do I rush it to market? And the choice becomes: rush it to market. You, do you know what the worst part about this conversation is, though? Is that if the LCBO was a savvy consumer of premium wines, <laughs> they would be happy to wait the few extra months to make sure that. Stop. Their customers. Hang on. Let me oh, finish. Stop. Let me finish. Let me, think, let me finish. Let me just let me finish. Oh, though. I think my head just exploded. But that's that it. But that's it though. Like I think we've just uncovered like another big problem with how the LCBO does business. If the LCBO was a a good business partner for Ontario wineries, they would be happy to wait for the product to be ready to go to market, recognizing that wine is an agricultural product and finite. So if you're telling me that wineries in Ontario, and here's the thing is. A lot of people who work for wineries in Ontario listen to this podcast. If you are a winery that has to deal with this this circumstance of having to rush a product to market to keep your listing, please drop into our DMs because we would love or to reach talk out, to you. Or reach out. We, we, well, we'll talk to you anonymously. We'll talk to you anonymously yeah. just to get some more information here because I have a hard time believing that, that Ed would cut those corners. But also, if that's how the LCB does business, I can understand that. And it's also... It's heart. It's heartbreaking, though, if that's what you have to do to feed the beast. That the LCBO and would that, rather. And that, that's, that, and my understanding is that's that kneecap, is the, that's that kneecapping is the, the wineries in Ontario. That's kneecapping Cor- the wineries correct. in Ontario. And when when has uh, the LCBO ever been one of those people who goes, "Oh, we understand. We're going to help you." And that's it. And, and it's the other thing too, though. It's just like with the ADX Wine Company, understanding the trials and tribulations that come with making wine. Like I, I'm making a cider that is taking me an extra seven months to get to market because of stuff that's happened behind the scenes it's stuff that's not in my control and here's the thing is that i guess what you're telling me is if i had that lcbo listing and i went to the buyer at the lcbo and said hey 
the next version of Le Petit Funk's not going to be available because of supply chain issues, because of uh, quality control issues, I would lose my listing? Yes. 100%. That is insane. Gone. Reapply for it next year. Hopefully, we'll take it again. That is insane. That is completely insane. So, I, I guess... It's, this, it's the same thing as uh, when I wrote my article for Ottawa Life magazine years ago uh, under uh, anonymity. Uh, I talked to a number of agents who said the LCBO also screws wineries by buying the wine, not just Ontario, but from around the world. They go, okay, we're going to take X number of cases. We're going to take, you know, six pallets of your wine. Yeah. And they do it for, you know, five years in a row. So that winery thinks, okay, we've got a, we've got a general list at the LCBO. We have got to make this amount of wine. And on year six, they go, we're not taking it this year. Oh, I remember that happening, I think, around 2016, where they were ramping up, like they've been ramping up the general list listings of Ontario wineries. They were ramping it up. They were ramping it up. And then they just decided arbitrarily to cut the listings. And I remember uh, talking to... It's to uh, show who's boss. And then they'll take it the next year, but you're still stuck with that stuff that you thought was going to the LC. And they don't want that. So even when you say to them, okay, we'll now take that. Or, or here's all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We've gone way off topic, and frankly, we've talked about a lot of things that I think um, we need to do a bit more research on. I don't think we've said anything oh. that would get us in trouble. Oh, but... I've done some research on this, my friend. Okay, but let's um, let's see if we can update the conversation. Like, it, it might be worth reaching out to uh, to Flat Rock to see if that is indeed the case. Ed, I know you listen. Tell us honestly: was a 2021 Chardonnay rushed to market? Even by a month or two, did you have to fill that void that the LCBO was going to have? All right. Now, let's put an asterisk beside all this. The The cool thing about the yeast series, Delta and VL2, is um, I don't think these wines are necessarily made with being the bomb.com. These are wines. They're not, that take, they're not meant to be mainstream. They're, they're, they're meant to help um, share the passion of the talented winemaking team of Flat Rock with the consumers Definitely pick up both bottles. Michael and I both preferred VL2 to Delta. I'm sure there's some people listening who would find Delta. I said it's bitter. It's not like eating a piece of unsweetened chocolate. It's Peter just, Gamble, if you're out there, you're going to love Michael. Delta. Shut up, Michael. <laughs> and then the 2021 Chardonnay, I think it's to market too early as well, but I think it's going to it's, come together in about six months. It's, it's gotten a little better in bottle. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I like it a little better than the last time I tried it. I don't think it's it's not going to reach the 2020 level. Of uh, it's going to be different. Jumping. It's it's going to be it's going to be different because I actually I do like cooler, leaner years for Chardonnay. I'm really excited for the Rusty Shed 2021, and I'm right. I'm excited for Rusty Shed 2021, having tasted the ADX 2021 as well too. Where I'm not going to lie. Tasting it in a barrel is just like, oh, maybe this year isn't going to suck. But you're making a premium Chardonnay. This is a uh, it's worth entry, twenty bucks. Entry level twenty dollars. Twenty bucks. It's, it's completely worth twenty. But bucks. I, uh, I'm going to say it's not as exciting as twenty twenty. That twenty twenty one Rusty Shed. I'm going to go on a limb here. Is going to be the bomb.com. Can't wait. Uh, I'm Andre Proof from underwinereview.ca, Patreon.com/slash Two Guys Talking Wine. We appreciate the support, and uh, we hope you are appreciating our planned content. (laughs) 
This was this was almost unplanned. Yeah, this, this was this, almost unplanned. This was. Yeah. So I'm Michael, you're going to Italy, and we had to get another podcast out before you abandoned me for a month while you go and escape the Canadian winter. So screw you, Michael. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. You can find me on social media as the Grape Guy. Uh, as Michael Pincus and Michael Pincus Wine Review. Can you consolidate, please? I, I can't. But I, what I have done here uh, is I have mitigated your circumstances by the wine we are ab- about to taste off microphone. Oh, yeah. We're going to be turning that into a podcast, hopefully. That is one of those. If you listen to last week's episode, we have a chase out. We are off mic going to taste one of the... OG icon wines from California that you were kind enough to bring to this house. If you want to guess what it is, drop into our DMs. But I'm a fanboy of the winery, so oh, you'll you have are. to go back deep into the archives of Two Guys Talking Wine to find out which California winery. I, I just hope you keep your clothes on. It's not Paul Hobbs, though. There, that's that, and it's that's not good. it's not Tokalon. It's it's elsewhere in California. Correct. I so, just want I just want you to keep your clothes on for this one because I have a feeling if it's as good as you think it's going to be. You might be trying to bathe in it. It's only one bottle. Only one bottle. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.